0: Radio Western. Good morning. We are back here on a Monday morning for another edition of Outlook on Radio Western. Welcome. This is Brian here, and I have Carrie patched in through FaceTime.
1: I'm patched in, yeah. (laughs) It's
0: a funny way of putting it, but.
1: Good morning, everybody. 94.9 CHRW, Radio Western, and this is Outlook, uh, another day in self isolation.
0: Yeah, so this is the third episode I think we've done this way now, so it's nice to still be able to bring you some brand new live episodes with all this going on, and happy to be back.
1: Yeah, um, so we could talk about that forever, but uh, I thought why don't we change it up and talk about something a bit different, uh, which today is going to be a Uh, A review of sorts, I guess, on a new documentary that's been out for a few weeks now on Netflix. Um, And yeah, I I checked it out there a few weeks ago, and you just watched it, what, yesterday?
0: Yeah, I checked it out yesterday. And you'd mentioned it. We've discussed bringing it up on this show as it does relate. Um, It's a bit of a wider um, group of people because it's not just focused on blindness specifically, but it does touch on that along with other disabilities, so... It's definitely fitting for Outlook.
1: Plus, it's also it's also based in the U.S., which a lot of this sort of thing is. I you know I think that there should be more Canadian documentaries about disabilities, but you know there's some, and obviously this one, this one's a big one. And so we thought we'd do a bit of a review. As a writer, I often write reviews for movies and documentaries and and things on my blog and and everything. But I thought we'd do it on our show, and uh, we got the trailer here just in case this gets you more interested, and you might want to check it out yourselves on Netflix.
0: Okay, so uh, let's just listen to the tra- trailer right now, and then we'll be back to discuss it. And before you hear it, I just wanted to also quickly mention that the trailer is an audio description, which the documentary is as well on Netflix if you want it to be. It's a, it's a feature you can turn on and off, just like subtitles or whatever it may be. Um, and that's just it's a, important for us as blind people. We've talked about this before on the show, but it's obviously especially a documentary about disability you would hope that it has audio description which it does and even the trailer does so this will give you a bit of an idea of what audio description is like for us as well
1: and i have to go shower some people executive producers president barack obama and michelle obama
0: i wanted to be part of the world but i didn't see anyone like me in it I hear about a summer camp for the handicapped run by hippies. Somebody said, you probably will smoke dope with the counselors. And I'm like, sign me
1: up. Disabled campers play guitar and sing. Come to Camp Jeanette and
0: find yourself. There I was. I was at Woodstock.
1: Campers dance and play baseball. You wouldn't be picked to be on the team back home. But at Jeannette, you had to go up the back. Even when we were that young, we helped empower each other. It was allowing us to recognize that the status quo is not what it needed to be. Sundance Film Fest winner. The world always wants us dead. We live with that reality.
0: At the time, so many kids just like me were being sent to institutions. It was just a continual struggle.
1: Most disabled people, like myself, are unable to use public transportation.
0: We needed a civil rights law of our own
1: a netflix original documentary
0: a rehabilitation program has been vetoed by the president because it was cost prohibitive
1: we decided we were gonna have a demonstration you get the call to action to the barricade disabled protesters a small army of the handicapped have occupied this building for the past 11 days
0: so many people from camp Jeanette found their way into the building
1: the deaf use sign language the fbi cut off the phones the deaf people went we know what to do. That's how we communicated to the people outside the building. The Black Panther Party would bring a hot meal. We, we were like this. We are the strongest political force in this country.
0: Addressing congressmen. We
1: will no longer allow the government to oppress disabled individuals. And I would appreciate it if you would stop shaking your head in agreement when I don't think you understand what we are doing t- Oh, Sit-in participants parade triumphantly.
0: What we saw at that camp was that our lives could be better.
1: A child rides his father's wheelchair. Protesters crawl up Capitol steps. If you don't demand what you believe in for yourself, you're not going to get it. I
0: said,
1: Crip Camp, a disability revolution.
0: You like to see um, the handicapped people depicted as people. Excuse me.
1: <laughs> In select theaters and on Netflix, March 25th, rated R. There you go. Crip Camp. What do you think, Bry? I
0: really liked it. I, I was like, I didn't really know. I mean, well, <laughs> I wasn't surprised, but I know, while important, being from the United States, it's going to focus a lot on the on protests and civil rights and all of this stuff, which is important things, but it's also. I kind of was hoping there would be maybe a bit more about the camp part of it, which is kind of the (laughs) fun, uh, like exciting, happy part about it. But I also know that's what inspired the movements and brought people together in the, in the beginning to, to lead to all of the other protests and and the later parts of the the documentary. So I really, I I enjoyed it, but I do think it got a little (laughs) above my head in spots just because I didn't, I'm not too familiar with all of these organizations and, um, yeah i'm I'm interested to learn about it but at the same time living in canada like you mentioned beforehand i'd rather see a documentary on canadian stuff sometimes instead of always learning about the stuff in the in the u.s but uh overall and here's
1: here's my here's my issue is that i mean i'm i'm drawing a blank at the moment to do research further on this topic but i'm sure there there are documentaries out there based in canada but you know this kind of thing gets more attention. And as it says in the trailer, um, it is um, executive produced by Barack and Michelle Obama. So that gives it a huge boost, right? And they got it on Netflix and all these things. Yeah,
0: I mean, the, the the big point about it is that it is bringing this stuff into the mainstream, which is very important that it's being talked about. And there are documentaries on Netflix about it, no matter what country it is. So, especially oh, well, what, like the,
1: is. what the lady said in there, the main woman who ended up becoming so her name's Judy and she's the c- counselor um at the camp but she's in a wheelchair she's the one who goes on to do to be kind of become the spokesperson for the whole movement um and ends up doing that kind of work in Washington throughout her life but uh she she basically says at one point near the end it's an inner she she saw it as an international movement even though obviously it's legislation and it's working with you know you know, government officials in the U.S. and passing laws there, not here. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to broaden it to that, that extent, but it's important to be able to look at it both ways.
0: Yeah, and they are talking about issues that are international related, like accessibility of buildings for wheelchairs and um, things like that. So it definitely is something that has to start somewhere and, and it is something that applies around the world.
1: But it made you think, like you said, you, so it's, it's basically documentary split into two parts. The first part is the camp, and the second part is after they come home from camp. So um, it made us, I mean, it made me, obviously, I assume it popped into your head too, um, the specific camp that we went to growing up, or camps, we went to day camps, and we went to overnight camps um, for, for the blind.
0: Yeah, so that's something we did do in our childhood as well. I'd never heard of this one from the, from the U S um, which I'm, I'm not really surprised about. It was a long time ago in the seventies. I think they said it closed in 77. So it's been a long time yeah. since that camp was even around, but yeah, there yeah. were, there were camps in Canada. We went to a couple, like you mentioned the day camp more in our area near Woodstock and Oxford County there. And then we did go off up North on Ontario to like Joseph, which is a camp um, through the CNIB. We went there a few times back in the nineties, but even when we we went is which is different from this movie is we we went when we were kids we weren't even teenagers at this point well i guess maybe you were the last no barely though nope yeah so this one makes me think a little differently because at this point they were people were 15 or
1: something like that
0: so it was a little later than not that this camp didn't exist when we were that age it's just we kind of for whatever reason stopped going at that point so we didn't keep up with it as we got older um but it, it overall it is a similar concept. The only difference being that the ones we went to were specific for the blind, whereas this was was all um, disabilities.
1: Yeah. So who's basically mostly there? It features um, teenagers and young adults who have spina bifida, uh, who have cerebral palsy, who had some, uh, who had accidents in their childhood. Um, you know, the one had the the common blindness. Um, from birth, where you um, you're deprived of oxygen if you're premature and stuff. So a lot of those different issues. A lot of them um, quite disabled, um, needed care. So it was an interesting experience to hear this camp video, this old footage from the '70s that that this this group came in and and videoed this the campers and sort of finally we're letting them speak for themselves. Um, but also to see campers, like it said. Um, you know, the main character, Jim, he just said he, he wasn't even allowed in Cub Scouts. Um, his sister is, was in Brownies, but he wasn't allowed in Cub Scouts because, you know, he was disabled. Um,
0: yeah, and we talk about a lot of these same issues even today, but back then it was even...
1: Mm, before you, we were born in the 80s, yeah. Was, yeah, we're,
0: we're always talking about being accepted and having um, being discriminated against to some degree still, but it does show the progress in history and how things have changed and how that resulted in and change. And there were a lot of interesting things brought up. Like one of them, I remember when they had, they had some round table discussion at the, at the camp. And one of the, one of the uh, people from the camp mentioned their parents being overprotective of them. And that's something that depending, it all depends on the family and the parents, but it can happen when you have a disability that your parents, they're just, they're worried about your, your safety and, and, and everything like that. So, they do sometimes become overprotective, which can limit you from having the experience, the same experience as anyone else. So this camp did give those those people an opportunity to, to feel like they fit in and that they weren't being held back.
1: Yeah, like Jim, Jim says in, in the documentary, he, he wasn't really cool back in his own, his, his, you know, his other life. Whereas at camp, it was finally one of the cool kids, you know, it's like a hierarchy of the way, you know, it is when you're a kid in in school, social um, ranking and things that happens. Whereas at this camp, he, he finally was able to have his first girlfriend. And, you know, then you see clips of these teenagers acting the way teenagers do, right? You know, like making out in the corner and all these kind of experiences that every teen, you know, Years yeah. to have
0: And sometimes if you if you are in just in the greater society where there's all sorts of people and you are a minority, you don't you get left out of these things and this camp allowed people them to not have that experience. A- at the same time, I also feel like it kind of it does it, it goes back to the our discussion about being segregated and integrated, which they have their benefits and to some degree even in the even though in the end it's best to be integrated and all together. this this was a separate where they were they were separate altogether at the same time and I don't know
1: yeah well I mean there were some um there were some fully able-bodied counselors and people at the camp but yeah a lot of it was um helping each other out right like a lot of them did need help dressing and having and showering and and bathroom issues and you know that's That can be terribly embarrassing when you're a teenager. Um, And obviously a lot of them said that they had only had their parents take care of them up until then. But there's a hierarchy. um, Jim says when he goes home later on in the 70s in high school and things, he finds out that there are these institutions that people with disabilities, even before he sort of was born or even while he was still young, these were fully operational places where a lot of families were... um, ill-equipped to look after their children and would send them to these institutions and and what he says is that this can't change the world and nobody knows the story um right so when you're disabled especially I guess back then you know before integration was a big thing you you felt you were sort of excluded and sort of hidden away in society and the you know the more difficult, and the more multi disabilities you had, the more hidden away I think you often were, and they and you didn't really have a voice, right? So finally, there are these kids who go to camp, and and actually, it's interesting to me because one of the counselors is a um, was an African American young man who came from Alabama to New York State, where the camp was, um, a few hours from Manhattan. And uh, he just sort of so it's interesting to see the issues that were going on at the time, you know, in lots of places, but specifically in the U.S. with um, civil rights. And-
0: yeah, and it's it's interesting how that how the civil rights ties in with the, the these other disabilities because it's it's all people that are are treated aren't t- treated equally, um, even though they're in different situations, and some people are involved in both the civil rights for for that as well as the disability. So.
1: Yeah, so um, I think it was funny to hear all these old recordings, which you and I know, you know, we yeah, like to record when we yeah, went. Yeah, it sounds to really camp.
0: neat because I'm, well, I'm me going to school for audio engineering and stuff like that. It's it's interesting to hear old footage like that, and it's nice how they. Yeah, you can
1: hear you can hear like the old tape recording equipment they used and things. It just has a different sound to it.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting how they incorporated that in with with later footage and like you say they followed up after after the fact and while well, it was happening in the 70s as well so I thought that was neat yeah, so around the timeline at the at
1: the camp it's neat the way you know they're they're playing baseball as, as best they can they, it's modified you know they got counselors carrying students from their wheelchairs and helping them into the pool and it's just you know it was a it seems like it was a very busy place um, but yeah, that the Jim main character, Jim. He, I think he eventually went to school for audio engineering, kind of like you. So,
0: yeah, he said acoustics, um, some sort of acoustic design or sound design. Um, and I think I don't know if you remember. My memory's not the best with movies, as you've, anyone who knows me might realize that. But I think, like you said, there were, weren't there some people who worked there that also had disabilities.
1: Yeah. So that. Oh that, yeah, like, yeah, Judy. Judy was I think like twenty three, and she she was sort of she was learning skills on how to be a leader which came in handy after after camp when she went back and and you know led this whole movement
0: and that that in in turn makes me think of organizations like like the Canadian Federation of the Blind that we that we talk about on the show where it's and they talk about it also later in the movie as well I think when they get in more into the protests and stuff like that where it's people with the same issues helping other people that are in the same situation instead of, like you say, the the parents helping um, these people instead of rather than them helping other people like them, it kind of
1: yeah, well, finally, you have to take charge of your own life eventually and and if hopefully you're given a chance to do it, where so many disabled people throughout history weren't really given that chance. So it's just neat to see the whole evolution, and I know it gets very political as the documentary goes, documentary goes on, and that can be trickier. Um, but I found myself getting quite emotional throughout. Uh, I am a, maybe I'm a more of an emotional person than you, than you. But um,
0: yeah, I just wasn't qu- totally expecting that because I, I, I knew I, you didn't I know what to expect. Yeah, I, I wasn't it, surprised, but I thought you said it was kind of a light sort of movie, <laughs> and then I realized, oh, maybe not so much, but. Um, but it, it did also have its because while some of the some of that stuff can get kind of depressing when you see all these things that needed to change and all this. But at the same time, when you do see the, the things passed and things are changing, when certain bills are passed and signed, then you do notice that there is a positive side to it as well.
1: Yeah, like you and I struggle with the political side of it, right? Like you, you have to, to really affect change uh, in big and meaningful ways. Um, you have to you have to find leaders who can take a stand, uh, but it's, it just makes you s- see the sort of different stages people were at. The one scene that really got to me is when the one kid, um, just gives out his number on the, in the video.
0: And yeah, you can well, just yeah, tell yeah.
1: they're, they're lonely, right? A lot of them, like they just, they haven't, they've been sort of kept hidden, like I said, by their parents or society. And, uh, just to be giving out your phone number like that. He was just hoping to make, make friends, right? And that's what the camp experience was for was for, for them that that summer. And um, so, yeah, it's just teenagers being teenagers. But then you see as they all grow up the kind of things they had to start, that they started to fight for.
0: Yeah, the real issues start to come into effect after those teen years, which I don't want to say are are, like, easy by any stretch. But after that, you are, you go on to like post-secondary school and then things and then become an adult and things can get a little more difficult than those fun earlier days and be more at the beginning of the documentary.
1: Yeah. So I, I I got more emotional as, as the documentary went, documentary went on because um, basically they all stay in touch after camp, uh, which campers often do. um, But yet you grow up too and you, you're, you go off and live your own lives. So a lot of them, um, we're in school, but, and they went to college and, uh, they all sort of came back together. So th- the movie starts out on the, on the East coast uh, with New York state and New York. Um, and it shows in the seventies how inaccessible New York city was, you know, to, to be able to take the subway. Yeah, they talk or- a lot
0: about the subway and a big part of that is, is the wheel, people in wheelchairs that can't. Get down mm-hmm. the stairs and they in the movie they talk about having to carry their chair up all these stairs and oh my goodness know, especially they're always if they already have trouble if they have trouble walking and then they have to walk try to get upstairs and bring their chair up there and
1: my goodness
0: uh, yeah it sounds it sounds very frustrating
1: right like yeah i mean there weren't you know there weren't weird wheelchair accessible vans you know there was nothing like that
0: yeah so you do see this this piece of history and then you you look at today and realize that yeah even though things always have room to Im- for improvement that things have progressed since then.
1: Well, basically that, you know, a lot of them, even though they were in, were in school and they were learning um, with their peers, a lot of them were back then sort of relegated to, um, relegated to um, special needs classrooms, right? And the, the, Judy says it was, their class was in the basement, and occasionally the, the able-bodied students would come down and, and push the wheelchairs and push the kids and take them up to assemblies and things. So, you know, it's for, for us in uh, our public school and going to school um, with our sighted peers, I always, you know, think about the effect that we all had on each other, um, what that was like. And that was obviously in the 90s once Things were getting a bit better, but, um, yeah, And the difference there, there is
0: <clears throat> the difference there is if, if they're separated out and they're just wheeled up for an assembly or something, then they're still seen as a, an out, outcast or a, a separate yeah. group. Whereas for us, when we were integrated into classrooms, even though, yeah, still we, we were different and people might've still seen that to some degree, we were there every day. So it, it normalized things a lot more and people began not to see that as much as, as they would in those other situations.
1: So, the common phrase is is separate but equal, and for a long time, politicians were thinking, "Okay, well, that's okay, we're giving them we're throwing them a bone pretty much, right and then eventually, people like Judy and Jim and all of them in this in this documentary, and like you know people here in Canada, you stand up for yourselves and you say, "Wait, no, we deserve better than that." So it's like you're kind of seen and somebody point this out to Judy at some point she's interviewed I think for by um the media at one point and they they sort of sort of say so are you still angry and it's like you're seen as angry and bitter and it's it's a fine line you walk because you're trying to you know demand more for yourself and for people you you know um and people in society like you and and then you're seen as angry and it's like You're seeing like, oh, this isn't good enough for you yet. This is still not enough for you. But then I think at at one point when they,
0: at some point when they asked her that when she was a little older, she did say, instead of just focusing on the anger part, she mentioned how there have been improvements and trying to look at the positive side a little bit. Um, Because, well, yeah, it can be, it can be easy sometimes to get angry and worked up about those things. Like you said, you don't want it to always come across that you're just an angry person all the time, so something it's always important to try and look at the positives and, and be as positive as you can be.
1: Yeah, so. but I mean, like she she says, she prefers to look at it as positive, taking positive action. Yeah. But it's all in how the media might have wanted to spin it at the time. Yeah. So basically, it's... after they go to school, they, they all go off on their own, and, and a lot of them move out to Berkeley in California. So they go from the East Coast to the West Coast, as I said. Um, and out there, um, through the 70s and the 80s, Through multiple presidents, Um, Nixon, you know, there's this bill that they're trying to pass. And Nixon basically says, you know, what politicians always say, you know, there's no there's no money for this. And how would we. So they finally they passed something, but it wasn't enforceable. It wasn't being enforced. And then politicians all through Carter and into the 80s. And I'm drawing a blank on the the main president during the 80s in the U.S., Reagan that's <laughs> it um, you know basically oh well we don't have the money for that or and then so then they started having to chase these politicians around to be heard and a lot of them would would avoid would avoid them but as soon as enough of you gather together which is the thing that I grapple with here in Canada is that one or a few of us all spread out all around you know nobody's gonna ever really take you seriously it's when you come together And, you know, even the Black Panthers um, ended up helping them, uh, you know, like unions and a whole bunch of different people from different socioeconomic groups in the the U.S. They all sort of started seeing that this was one other group that was demanding to be heard. So they ended up having what they call a sit-in. And all this stuff, again, is beyond me because, you know, I haven't done it. Yeah, it's really hard
0: to imagine, especially when we haven't (laughs) been involved in that. And then a lot of this stuff as mentioned before, is very, it has an American feel to it where it's not that mm-hmm. that's, it's not that it's necessarily the way it should be in Canada either because we're a different country, but sometimes it, you do get that feeling that here we just aren't like that enough and maybe we need to work on that a bit more, but it's it also is harder because we're more spread out and there's less population.
1: But you've pointed it out before on the show and, and off the show, right? That it, there is a different attitude and sense of, self here in canada and and what we're what we're known for and what we're willing to do i guess and i don't i can't really predict what the future will be for in canada but i know a lot of people shy away from any of this because like someone says in the documentary if you're a passive quiet person with a disability you know it's very hard to be heard and if you don't feel like you have support and others who are more more leadership with more leadership qualities, then, you know, you're not going to be hurt, obviously.
0: But that also just makes it tough because not everyone is that, um, like, outgoing. And, it's like, some people are just, it's, their personality is more like that, like, more passive. So it's hard to, you know, you can't just tell someone to be a certain way. And that's no. the way it is. So
1: so at certain times, Judy gets emotional when she's trying to, She, you can tell she's leading this group of people who all come together but yet they're trying to talk to a politician and it feels like you're talking to a brick wall and you get emotional. You feel, And then anger does sort of come through and then you feel like you're not going to be taken seriously. But they do basically have a sit-in. They basically take over a building on the West Coast there and they they have people bring them meals and then the city or somebody shuts off their the, the telephones in the building so they can't communicate with the outside world. But then they get the deaf the deaf people in their group to to sign out the window for you know to say what they need what they need and stuff so they all found a way to it and that's, was amazing to me to see that
0: yeah and that's the big part that we we stress with all of these with these organizations that we talk about is is finding the skills that we do have like people think oh you don't have this skill and this skill but maybe we have other skills that other people don't have or maybe we are more efficient with certain things like problem solving and whatever it may be because we're doing it more often b- based on our needs so it's, it's just important to look at instead of looking at the things you can't do, look at the things that you can do that maybe put you, do put you um, above in certain areas from someone else. So,
1: but it's hard for me because I've done a lot of this where I've, I've seen documentaries and one is referenced on, um, in um, Crip Camp. Um, it's called, um, I think it's Return to Willowbrook. And I don't know if you, how, you, how familiar you are with Geraldo Rivera. I've heard,
0: yeah, I've, I've definitely like, heard the name. I'm not, super familiar but i did hear him come up in the documentary
1: so he's a journalist from way back um but i think you know i think he's on fox news now or something but um yeah he basically went to this institution in new york state there and and it's just really sad to see all that so you go from one extreme to another and the way the documentary ends is ends up being so um positive and hopeful
0: yeah. And that's and a good, that's always a good way to, that. yeah, I did feel that at the end especially it was kind of nice to just to see the nostalgia when they went back to the campsite, even though it was closed and they were remembering how important it was and how in, in the beginning, this is what started out or helped with their movement so much was all being together and feeling that empowerment that they got from the whole experience. So I think that's a pretty good spot to wrap things up here, <laughs> kind of finishing up. On yeah. You can't imagine doing, week.
1: you can't imagine stopping traffic and just standing out on the street and just stop with your white cane saying just try and run us over you will not be ignored so yeah it's really great i recommend you watch this documentary uh if not then hopefully you've enjoyed our review of it um and maybe you learned a little something but it's very well put out in the actual documentary so i recommend you watch it
0: yeah absolutely go on netflix and search it up so all righty i guess that's it for another edition of outlook thanks for tuning in
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, we'll see you next week, maybe, or in a couple weeks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Find us on Twitter, at OutlookCFB, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.